You are listening to Veterinary Mental Health, Turning the Stethoscope Around, Episode 9, presented by Thoughtful Life Counseling. Welcome to the podcast. I am Taylor Miller, a veterinarian and a licensed professional counseling intern. Mental health and work-life balance are critical issues for veterinary professionals. While not intended as a substitute for individual counseling, this podcast seeks to address many of the mental health concerns common to members of our profession. Hello and welcome. I am so pleased to be with you today, and I do apologize that you are hearing this a day late. There were a number of factors, some in my control, some out of my control, some I could have anticipated, some I could not have anticipated. Anyway, suffice it to say, this unique combination of factors should not happen again. I would like to be able to continue giving you your weekly podcast on time, and we'll leave it at that. One of the factors that I should have anticipated but didn't until the last minute was that this topic cannot be addressed in a single podcast. So I have split up the material into two podcasts and I will be offering you the science of willpower part two next week. And because it is such a big topic, we're going to dive right in. For both podcasts this week and next week, the science of willpower, I am drawing from the material presented in The Willpower Instinct, a book by Kelly McGonigal, PhD. I highly recommend that you read this book. It is a very, very big bang for your buck in terms of reading time. It doesn't take that long to read comparatively or listen to if you prefer to listen to things. And it's just packed full of really useful information, intriguing studies, and helpful exercises that allow you to put each of the presented ideas into practice. Without further ado, here we go. When we're discussing willpower, I am specifically referring to the ability to control your attention, your emotions, and your desires. That element of control means that language-wise, I may speak about self-control throughout this podcast. Remember that in order to control self, you need to have willpower. So sort of interchangeable, but there is a chicken and an egg situation here. In a study by the American Psychological Association, scientists found that Americans name lack of willpower as the number one reason they struggle to meet their goals. This podcast is focusing on goals of well-being. So in order to meet those goals of well-being, I would like you to know more about willpower. And remember that in the science of habit, willpower was listed as one of the keystone habits. And this feels a little bit off because a habit is something that you achieve on autopilot. And one of the key points of willpower is being able to be self-aware. So the opposite of that unthinking habit. But if we think about willpower as a habit, it's the idea that you habitually think about what's going on with yourself. Again, language is a little funny there, but it just reinforces that importance that willpower really does make or break our goals in life. So we're going to start with a little bit of neurobiology. Willpower is mediated through the prefrontal cortex, so the more highly evolved segment of our brain. Many temporary states like being drunk or sleep deprived or distracted inhibit the prefrontal cortex. And mostly in that list, I want to point out sleep deprivation and then distraction. Consider the typical environment that we have in our clinics. Distraction is just name of the game. That is something that is there every single day. You've got phones ringing, things happening that you're expecting, emergencies happening, It's always one big (laughs) distracting environment. And those things 
inhibit the prefrontal cortex, which requires that we put more effort into accomplishing tasks that require it. I also want to discuss how we activate either our prefrontal cortex versus our more primitive regions. And if we think about our typical survival responses, our fight or flight or our survival instincts, those are mediated through the primitive segment of our brain, which makes sense. They evolved first. We had to survive before we could do critical thinking. And evolution just layered on our prefrontal cortex on top of our lizard brain and off we went. So that means that we still have this intact reaction of fight or flight to external events, typically. The state that we want to be in for willpower to be possible is more of a pause and plan state versus a fight or flight. More often, the fight or flight is our response to external events and pause and plan is to internal events. But do consider that depending on our personal reaction to an event, whether it is external or internal, our assessment of the threat can spark that fight or flight instinct. For instance, when it was becoming apparent to me that this podcast was not going to be ready to release on time, I began to feel threat might be the wrong word, but a sense of urgency and anxiety. My heart rate went up and I could certainly feel in my body that this was more of a sympathetic nervous system situation versus a pause and plan situation. Even though I can recognize this, that my sympathetic nervous system is ramping up, I'm getting stressed, um, my palms are starting to sweat because I like to meet deadlines, that's part of my personality. Even though I can feel all these things happening and I understand that, knowing what we now know about brain chemistry and brain biology, etc., since I have this sympathetic activation, my pause and plan, my prefrontal cortex is actually dimmed. So my willpower drops just at the point where I need it most to help either power me through or figure out how to correct the situation as I found it was going astray. My ability to do so was leaving me. Interesting things to think about. And again, just as we go through this podcast, we'll dive into it more and more. But keep that in mind that sometimes our own emotional response to event internal or external shuts down the very skills that we need to be able to deal with it effectively or to make good choices in those moments where we're feeling activated. This transitions us perfectly into the topic of willpower reserve. So the capacity for us to have that willpower or to draw on that willpower within us. As I was mentioning before, usually we are in a balance or we're going back and forth between either a fight and flight response to a situation or a circumstance versus a pause and plan. And we want to shift us towards that pause and plan as much as possible because that's where we're going to be able to make good choices. The single best physiological measurement of your capacity for self-control or for having that willpower is heart rate variability. And it's just what it sounds like, the variation in time between each heartbeat. If we think about the systems that activate our heart rate or that are responsible for it, our sympathetic nervous system, when that's ramped up or activated, we have lower heart rate variability, typically because our rate goes up, our body is focused on putting us into a physiological state that will allow us to get away from the saber-toothed tiger. And that doesn't allow for a lot of fine-tuning, careful shifting. It's go, go. Versus our parasympathetic nervous system, if we've got that on board and we're fairly relaxed, our heart rate varies quite a bit, just moment to moment as we are standing up, moving, sitting down, 
thinking about what we're doing, talking to people, laughing. Heart rate fluctuates quite a bit during those types of activities. And scientists have found that that quality, the higher heart rate variability, is strongly correlated with the ability to ignore distractions, delay gratification, deal with stressful situations. The lower heart rate variability that a person has is kind of their baseline. The more anxiety, anger, depression, loneliness, less self-control they display. And so while there is a natural difference between the sympathetic activation and lower heart rate variability, parasympathetic nervous system, higher heart rate variability, there's also a variability between people who are both parasympathetically activated. I'm wondering if that sounded as jumbled to you as it did coming out of my mouth. So we're going to try that one more time. Each person has a lower heart rate variability when they're sympathetically activated and a higher heart rate variability when they're not. But how great that variability is during parasympathetic activation also varies highly person to person. The beautiful thing is that knowing this, we have the opportunity to specifically improve our heart rate variability. So we can move it from whatever baseline we currently have such that as a person, our individual heart rate variability is higher. That means that you will be better at ignoring distractions, delaying gratification, dealing with stressful situations. Your willpower is like a muscle. You can improve that measurement that will improve willpower. And as we have decided, improving willpower means you meet your goals and ta-da, life is solved. So let's move along. There are a number of ways to improve that heart rate variability and to improve your willpower reserve. Remember when we were talking about mindfulness and I was telling you that it was so important that it's amazing? That was the first thing listed in this beautiful book about improving your willpower reserve. So mindful meditation increases blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, just like lifting weights increases blood flow to your muscles. And they have actually measured that regular meditators have more gray matter in the prefrontal cortex, as well as in regions of the brain that support self-awareness. And remember, self-awareness is one of the key factors of willpower, because unless you're aware you're making a choice, you can't choose differently. So that, that jumps us out of the habit and into the active monitoring mode that gives us good self-control. One thing I want to point out, because I feel like this is a sticking point for a lot of people, you don't have to be a quote-unquote meditator for meditation to be of benefit. You might be thinking that unless you're doing a good job at meditating, you're not getting the benefits, but that's almost the opposite of what's going on. If you are bad at meditation, then every minute that you're meditating, you are actively exercising that ability to bring yourself back to the focus. You've probably heard at least a portion of a guided meditation, and they usually go something like this. Breathe in, breathe out, stay with the breath, and then there's a pause for a minute or two. And then the voice will say, if your mind has drifted away, bring it back to the breath. And for some people, that bringing back to the breath is like every 10 seconds. Oh my God, I have completely forgotten what I was supposed to do. I'm thinking about my to-do list. And so you've got to bring it back and bring it back and bring it back. But those are your reps. Every time you bring your attention back to your breath, that is you establishing and asserting control over your ability to focus on a specific goal. Being bad at meditation just means you do more reps. So don't let that be a deterrent for you. For those of you who are thinking, oh God, I really don't want to sit still 
the beautiful thing is the next point for improving your willpower reserve is physical exercise. There have been studies that show that physical exercise also makes your brain bigger, faster, and the prefrontal cortex specifically shows the largest training effect. And now I hear some of you telling me, well, obviously I need to exercise. It's always on my to-do list, but who has the time? I've got all these other things going on. This is just one more reason to feel guilty about not exercising. I have some beautiful news for you as well. And this is not discussing cardiovascular health. That's a different podcast. I get to talk about wellness, mood, mental health. And for those goals, for mood boosting, stress busting, replacing or improving your willpower reserve, five minute doses of exercise proved to have the biggest effect on the factors that we've just mentioned. Five minutes, that's all you need to begin to boost your willpower reserve. And if you pair that with outdoor activities or green exercise, being out in mother nature, you get an extra boost on those five minutes. The next factor that improves your willpower reserve is adequate sleep. Yes, sleep. And I'm going to be coming back to sleep over and over and over again. It's just so critical. If you are operating on an average of six hours each night, you have not been operating with your full willpower capacity. Being mildly but chronically sleep deprived makes you more susceptible to stress, craving, temptation. So all these things that we're typically looking to willpower to control. And there's even a name for this because it's such a prominent feature, especially of Americans in today's society. So when you are sleep deprived, you can legitimately and honestly say that you have mild prefrontal dysfunction. One of the reasons why the prefrontal cortex takes such a hit during sleep deprivation is that when you are sleep deprived, the way that your body and brain utilize glucose changes. And I'm not going to go into the science of that right now, partly because I don't have it all, but also we're running out of time. But in a nutshell, your prefrontal cortex is the most energy hungry area of the brain, so to speak. And given that it is not strictly necessary for survival on a minute-to-minute basis, its optimal functioning is not a first priority when energy is being distributed. It makes sense that the stress of sleeplessness would deplete willpower, as stress in general is such a powerful enemy, shall we say, of self-control. The same study that we talked about that shows that willpower is the reason that Americans don't meet their goals shows that the 75% of the people that responded to that study also describe themselves as experiencing high levels of stress. So right there, they've almost answered the question, where's your willpower? I'm too stressed to have willpower. So the somewhat vague but effective countermeasure to stress is relaxing. Again, this will probably be a whole topic all on its own, but one specific strategy mentioned by Dr. McGonigal in The Willpower Instinct was a progressive muscle relaxation exercise. I briefly mentioned it in our mindfulness segment, but it involves sequentially tensing then relaxing each major muscle group as a way to release tension and stress. My plan is to provide a guided version of this exercise on my website in the next week or two. Everything that I've mentioned so far makes sense, but all of them rely on a more consistent training program, so to speak, something that will give you cumulative results. So what if In this moment, right now, you need a boost of willpower or a breath of willpower to get you past whatever is challenging you. One of the studies cited in the book describes breath control as a way to give you that willpower boost. And by breath control, I mean slowing your breathing down to four to six breaths per minute. 
This is pretty slow, but you can see how deliberately slowing your breath and by extension your body down will enable you to access the physiological state necessary to use willpower. Your heart rate variability will go up. You get some oxygen and some glucose up to your prefrontal cortex. Decision making is possible. One way to achieve that slower breathing is to use the square breathing exercise I provided in last week's handout entitled Tools for Tension, which is available on my website, or if you look on the show notes page for last week's podcast episode, it'll be there as well. Another thing to remember if you're trying to get your breathing to slow down, people are better at controlling the exhale of their breath, so extending that exhale can help you reduce the number of breaths that you take per minute and get you into that place where you're going to have that boost of willpower. So I've mentioned in passing that willpower is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more robust it becomes. And in the literature, it's described as the muscle model of self-control. This model postulates that you have a finite amount of willpower, just like a muscle has a fatigue point. This muscle model also means that we can train the muscle and improve our ability to control our actions. First, let's think about what drains our willpower. So I've divided it into two categories. One are situational type willpower drains, and the other are environmental fluctuations that change how much willpower we have access to. Situational willpower drains are situations in which you are asking yourself to control your attention, your emotions, or your desires. So this ends up being fairly comprehensive. Navigating clinic politics, remaining professional in front of clients, triaging patients, planning errands over your lunch break, all of these things take willpower. Navigating a stressful commute, sitting through a boring meeting, having to stay awake when you would rather not or focus when you would rather not, all of that takes willpower. Even choosing between brands at a grocery store can take willpower because you are controlling your attention and perhaps having to choose between what you want and what you quote unquote should get. Self-regulation, if we think about that as a willpower challenge, anytime you're around small children, you are self-regulating or trying to, and that's draining your willpower. And that can certainly explain why the parent that you are when you first wake up might look very different than the parent you are when you are finally putting the kids to bed. In the environmental category, the first thing that we understand and recognize is that self-control is typically highest in the morning and it steadily deteriorates over the course of the day as you flex those muscles as they become fatigued. And that makes sense. The other element that I found interesting was that low blood sugar levels turn out to predict a wide range of willpower failures. This goes back to how our brain regulates glucose distribution. If your brain detects a downward trend in circulating glucose, so not necessarily low, but just that downward trend, it is more likely to preemptively decrease glucose to the energy sink that is the prefrontal cortex. And this does us no favors in today's modern society where falling blood glucose is likely due to an inability to take lunch or, or poor food choices, going with the sugary or high-carbohydrate treats that cause spikes and falls in our blood sugar versus a nice steady level. So anything that you can do to help maintain a more even blood glucose level in your day-to-day, -day, the more you'll be able to influence that element of your willpower reserve. So what can we do to specifically flex those willpower muscles? What little things can we do to add to our ability to use willpower? 
Studies have found that committing to any small but consistent act of self-control will challenge and thus strengthen that quote-unquote willpower muscle. And this can be something as simple as saying yes instead of yeah. And what we're training here isn't necessarily the ability to say yes instead of yeah, but it's noticing the situations in which that choice needs to be made. And so that's the self-awareness piece. And that's the the mindfulness piece that we talk about, being actively aware of what you're saying, doing, and thinking in the moment-to-moment reality. If you're able to recognize that you're making a choice that requires willpower, you have the opportunity to exercise the willpower by informing that choice. In the book, The Willpower Instinct, there are three categories of willpower that are typically discussed. The I won't power, which means that you have trouble saying no to something. The I will power, so the ability to start doing something, start that exercise, get up early, etc. And the I want power, the ability to exert self-control to consistently make progress towards a goal. So the I will and I won't are more moment to moment. The I want is the governing reason why you're making these choices. If we think about exercising or improving those three categories, a training regimen might include I won't say the back, I'll say the treatment area. I will take dog temperatures with my non-dominant hand, something like that. It's important to pick manageable tasks as the goal is to practice self-awareness and follow through, not necessarily to choose a challenge right out of the gate. We are looking to build strength, not play at weakened warrior. As your willpower muscle increases in strength, then you can begin flexing it in service of the more difficult goals you would like to achieve. Strengthening the I want is a little bit more difficult. It's more of a self-reflection type exercise. And for today, we're going to leave it alone. I have grand plans for the arc this podcast is going to take. And reflecting on our goals and desires is an important beginning piece and will be a prominent player. There is no handout this week. It will be included next week following part two. For this week, I simply invite you to see if you can recognize willpower patterns, good or bad, in your life, and then maybe reflect on what seems to be your biggest willpower challenge. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, it has been a great pleasure. This has been a mental health moment brought to you by Thoughtful Life Counseling. If you found today's episode helpful, please subscribe to the podcast to consider leaving me a review. You can download the handout mentioned in today's episode by visiting my website at thoughtfullifecounseling.com. To have the handouts delivered by email, please sign up to receive my twice-monthly newsletter. If you have topic requests, questions, or comments, please contact me through my website or any one of my social media platforms. Take care of yourself and tune in next week for part two of The Science of Willpower.